Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. Did anybody else think that voice was kind of weird? It's like if AI could talk, that was... Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time and this church family and and the freedom that we have to worship you. Lord, thank you for what we just sang, that that you are enough, that you are more than enough for us. And so we just ask uh, that you would just open our hearts and open our minds to what you have for us in your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, uh, I wanted to uh, start our time together by giving you a little bit of a quiz, okay? So this is a quiz to see uh, how well you know certain uh, phrases and sayings and sort of modern proverbs uh, in our world today. So we're going to put some of these up on the screen, and if you think you know what the missing part is, just go ahead and shout it out. So go ahead and put the first one up. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Very good. Uh, Go ahead and put the second one up. The the grass is always greener greener on the other side. Very good. How about the third one? A picture is worth how many words? A thousand. thousand. You guys are good at this. All right, a few more. What is the best medicine? Laughter. Laughter. I don't know if that's true, Um, (laughs) but that's what they say. All right, a few more. Uh, Don't judge a book by? It's cover. All right, and the last one, I'm going to just tell you now, the, the Saturday night folks didn't know this one. Never wrestle with a pig because you'll both get dirty and... The pig will like it. <laughs> and the pig likes it. Isn't that a wild phrase? Every time I want to get into a Facebook argument, I say that to myself and it helps. Now, for, for, for many of us, most of those at least were, were familiar, right? You'd maybe heard them before, and, and probably you, know, you knew what they meant as well, didn't you? You knew that, that no doctor is actually going to prescribe laughter. You knew that the grass isn't about who waters their backyard better, but it's about contentment. It's about the trap of comparison. We know these sayings, they're just part of our culture. We, maybe you even have one of these sayings in your own family. In fact, uh, the unofficial motto uh, of the Scavato family is, if you're not hungry, eat. Is that not the most Italian thing you've ever heard? <laughs> All it means is that whether or not you want more food, and even if you've had so much that your stomach feels like it's going to burst, your grandma is coming with more pasta and you better eat it or she'll get mad. That's what it means. If you're not hungry, eat. If you know me, you know I've taken that motto to heart. That's how I live my life. Uh, today, we are kicking off a brand new sermon series that's actually going to take us all the way through the end of August. This will be our whole summer series, a series on the book of Proverbs, this pursuit of wisdom, this collection of sayings and phrases and lessons for the people of God, for God's family. Proverbs, if you haven't studied it before, is what scholars call wisdom literature, meaning that that the purpose of this book is not to give us laws to obey, not to tell a narrative, not to further the story of God and his people, not to give prophecy or, or anything else, simply to give us wisdom, to show us what it means to live wisely in the world around us. And so that's our goal as a church this summer. 
to explore the Proverbs and to invite the wisdom of God into every part of our lives, to ask ourselves in a world that is filled with information, in a time where it has never been easier to receive input, to be saturated with different points of view, what does it mean to be filled with the wisdom of God? I wonder if, if there's any one of us in this room today, regardless of where you're at in your faith, regardless of even what you believe about God, I wonder if there's any one of us that would say no to more wisdom. Isn't that something you want? To be more wise? Don't you want the decisions that you make and the words that you use and the way that you treat people? Don't you want those things to be marked and shaped by wisdom? Don't you want to be one of those people that always responds wisely? Don't you want more conviction and assurance about the choices and the decisions that you make? We all want that, don't we? And that's the point of the series, that we would be filled in every part of our lives with the wisdom of God. And so today, as we begin this series, we're simply going to be introducing the book of Proverbs and this idea of wisdom and, and what it means and what it looks like. And, and to do so, we're going to be asking ourselves just a few big questions. We're going to ask, what is wisdom's meaning? What is wisdom's purpose? And where is wisdom's beginning? So we'll start with wisdom's meaning. If you have a, a Bible with you, we're going to start uh, in Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to go through the first seven verses. Uh, so I invite you to follow along with me. The verses will be up on the screen as well, of course. But we're going to start by just reading the first verse and a half of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline. We'll pause here. Here's our first question. What is wisdom? How do we define it? Take a moment. Don't answer out loud, but, but consider for just a moment how you would describe wisdom. Is it different than knowledge? Is it separate from discernment or discretion or understanding? If the goal of Proverbs and the goal of this series is to gain wisdom, then what is it that we are aiming at? Here's a definition I want you to consider for the next few months, that Christian wisdom is the skill of living a godly and faithful life. Christian wisdom is the skill of living a godly and faithful life. Recently, I was talking to someone um, and we were talking about the thing in our lives that we are the best at. Not the thing that is most impressive, simply the most developed skill that we have. Whatever that thing is, big or small, that we think we do the best. And my answer uh, is that I am the best Nintendo 64 Mario Kart player you have ever met. I am so good at it. I have spent so many, I can't even count how many hours I have played Mario Kart. My brother is here today. He might tell you that he's better than I am. He's wrong, okay? Don't listen to him. He's not even a pastor. Um, <laughs> I brought a picture with me. Uh, this is, if you're not familiar, uh, Nintendo 64 Mario Kart. Uh, no, the picture is not blurry. That's what it looked like. Uh, we thought these graphics were groundbreaking, and they were. Um, when I was in college, my friends and I would skip class to play Mario Kart. I have no regrets. It was a great decision. Um, and I'm not telling you this thinking that it is impressive. I'm simply being honest 
And I'm telling you that if your life ever depends on someone winning a Mario Kart race, give me a call, you're going to be fine. This is the <laughs> skill that I have to offer to the world. And again, this is what we should think of when we think of wisdom, that wisdom is not the same as information or knowledge. Wisdom is gaining the skill. It's having the ability to live a godly life. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, that wisdom is the right use of knowledge. And this is something that, that we kind of get at some level, don't we? We all know this to be true in different parts of our life, that knowledge and wisdom aren't the same, that, that knowledge knows that it's good for me to exercise. And wisdom goes to the gym. Knowledge understands that it's, that it's good to spend less than I make. And wisdom follows a budget. Knowledge believes that it's good for my soul and for my relationships when I come here to worship God with my church family. And wisdom sets the alarm clock and makes it a priority in my schedule. See, wisdom is the skill of living well, of putting your knowledge to good use. This is a theme we see, not just in Proverbs, but, but throughout Scripture, that it is good to have knowledge, but it is not enough. We see this in James chapter 2, that knowing that there is a God is something that even demons believe. That knowledge isn't enough. And this is the point, that whenever we find a disconnect between what we know and believe and how we live and how we act, wisdom is the bridge that we need. We must grow in our skill to live a godly and faithful life. It's easy to know what Scripture teaches that I should flee from temptation. Wisdom goes and finds an accountability partner. Knowledge knows that, that prayer is good for my relationship with God. Wisdom schedules it into my life. It's easy to agree with, to believe in what our students have been doing throughout this summer, to go on mission trips and serve around the country and around the world. Wisdom asks, where might God be calling me to do the same? Wisdom is knowing what it takes. It's learning the skills to live a godly life. This is why Proverbs was written, to know wisdom. And this is something that's going to be foundational for the rest of our study in this book. A, a proverb, as we saw earlier, is not something specific to Christianity or the Bible. Every culture has proverbs. And most scholars believe that Solomon was both an author and a collector. First Kings tells us that he was wiser than all men, that he spoke 3,000 proverbs, many that he wrote himself and many that he heard and borrowed from other people and cultures and sources. And this is important to our understanding of this book, that Proverbs are not laws and they are not promises. They are simply principles. It's important that we see this rightly, and sometimes we forget this, and then we come across Proverbs like the one we see in, in chapter 22. It says, start a youth out on his way. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. And if we see this as a promise— and we have a child or we know a child that was raised to follow God and isn't currently doing so, then all of a sudden we question everything about God and his word. These are not promises. They are simply principles. In the Proverbs, we are given a rule of life, a way to live wisely. 
in the world that God made. So today, here's our first wisdom principle. The thing we, th- we see in the scriptures about wisdom, something that we'll see throughout this summer series, and it's really simple. God gives wisdom when we ask for it. God loves few things more than when his children desire wisdom. He gives wisdom when we ask for it. Many of you know the story of, of Solomon taking over as king of Israel after his father died. And, and when he became king, God came to him and said, anything you ask for, I will give you. Do you remember what Solomon asked for? Not riches, not fame. He asks for wisdom. Do you remember what God told him? We see this in 1 Kings chapter 3. God says that I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no king will be your equal during your entire life. We see this idea throughout Scripture as well in Proverbs chapter 2 and in James chapter 5. We'll see these up on the screen, uh, that the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. In James chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously. God gives wisdom when we ask for it. Do we? Do you? In your life, in our world where it's so easy to get knowledge and information, is wisdom a desire of our heart? What if it was? What if Solomon's prayer was our prayer? What if more than anything else, this was what we asked for? That God, in the words that I use, in the choices that I make, in the way that I live, in my difficult conversations with people, even in the way that I think, in my thought life, would you overwhelm me with your wisdom? Would you take the knowledge that I have and put it to good use? Would you give me the skill that I need to live a godly and faithful life? God gives wisdom to those who ask for it. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, I want to show you the next thing here, which is uh, wisdom's purpose. Wisdom's purpose. I want to read the next handful of verses. This is verse uh, two. It says this. For learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man, let a wise person listen and increase learning. Let a discerning person obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. Okay, so if I lost you along the way, here's what's happening. That Solomon is giving a series of purpose statements. In other words, as he begins this book of wisdom, he's answering two questions. Question one, what are proverbs for? What is the point? What are we trying to accomplish? What is the reason that this book exists? So that's question one. And then question two is, who are Proverbs for? What is the target audience? Who are these things directed towards? We see him answer this first question, what are Proverbs for in those first couple of verses to gain things like wisdom, discipline, understanding, insight, instruction. In other words, 
Wisdom allows us to see things clearly and respond rightly. To see things clearly and respond rightly. Uh, back when uh, he was uh, learning to crawl, Judy and I uh, had to teach our son, Luca, the, the lesson of how to go downstairs safely. Uh, that he had to go feet first and kind of slide down on his belly. It was a very cute lesson we were teaching him. Um, and I remember one moment in particular where we had been teaching him and we're kind of seeing if he, had, if he had got it. And so he was approaching the stairs and Judy was behind him at the top of the stairs and I was below. Um, and one of the things I wasn't sure about before we became parents was dad reflexes. Are you familiar with dad reflexes? Maybe you've seen those videos where like kids are about to hurt themselves and dads just kind of swoop in and save the day. And I know moms have mom reflexes too, but it's Father's Day. So just let me have this, okay? And so I wasn't sure if I had dad reflexes, uh, and there was this moment where I found out. And Luca was approaching the stairs, um, and suddenly I just knew what was going to happen. Like I could just see it clearly, that he was going to launch himself head first. And then he launched himself head first. And my arms just moved, and I caught him. And I looked at him, and I said, you better get me something good for Father's Day. (laughs) It's 1041, nothing yet, we'll see. He's on the clock. (laughs) But this is what Solomon is saying, that that wisdom sees things clearly and knows how to respond. To see clearly and to respond rightly. That wisdom is the skill of responding as God's people in God's way. I don't know about you. It's hard to think of many things that we, as followers of Jesus today, need more than that. Isn't this something that you want? Isn't this something that you want when you you look at the world and you you listen to read or, or watch the news and you see all the problems and everything just seems so overwhelming, doesn't it? You don't know what to do about it. Don't you want to be able to see those issues clearly and know how to respond rightly? Isn't this something that you want when, when you're talking with a friend or a neighbor or a coworker and, and the subject of God comes up and you're tempted to just freeze or change the subject? Don't you wish you could see that person and their questions or their doubts clearly and know how to respond rightly? Parents, isn't this something you want for your kids in a world that is filled with questions and opinions and messages about what good is and who God is? Don't you want them to be able to see the truth clearly and yet know how to respond rightly with grace and compassion and love? See, this is what wisdom offers. Wisdom equips God's people to respond God's way. This is what Proverbs are for. Then the second question, who are Proverbs for? Look again with me uh, to this uh, back section here in verse four. It says this, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase learning and let a discerning person obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. We'll pause here because there's a little bit of context that you need to understand to, to know what's being said here. Throughout the Proverbs, there are three main groups of people that are described. Not exclusively, but, but overall, uh, what Solomon does is kind of put people in three different buckets. So there's bucket one, that's the wise, that's those who know. 
Then number two is the, the fool, those who don't know. And then number three is the young, those who don't know yet. So there's the wise, there's the fool, and there's the young. It sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. Uh, I don't think there are any bars mentioned. Um, but what, what Solomon is doing here, notice this, is he is only highlighting two groups of people. Did you see that? He said that this is who Proverbs are for. It's for the inexperienced, that's the young, and it's for the wise to increase learning. That, of course, is the wise. Isn't that strange? Wouldn't you think that of all people, the people that need wisdom would be the fool to become wise? Why are they excluded from this target audience? Why is this amazing resource of wisdom not for them? I think this is what Solomon is saying here, that the only people who can't gain wisdom are the ones who don't think that they need it. And that is what it means to be a fool. We'll look at this more in a bit. Uh, in verse 7, it says that fools despise wisdom and discipline. The definition of a fool is one who thinks that he knows everything and has all the wisdom that he needs. And so this is what we see here, that if you want to be wise, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to have all of this experience. All that you need is humility. To recognize that I have need for something. Shortly after uh, I graduated college, I was doing uh, a student ministry internship. Uh, and one day, uh, Judy and I, were, we were either dating or had just gotten engaged, I can't remember, but I brought her to meet our students. Um, and we sat down with uh, one of our students, he was 14 years old or so at, at the time, and he sat down with us and he told us that if we were interested, he would be available to give us relationship counseling. And even though he hadn't been in a relationship, he really think that he could help us. And when he said that, he looked at me in particular, which felt rude. Um, and I was just like speechless. I didn't know what to say that wouldn't be mean and get me fired. Uh, and Judy said that we would let him know. She was very kind about it. But, but I remember that moment so clearly as this moment of someone thinking that they knew so much more than they did. And when I was 14, I was the same way. So I get it. But this is what Solomon is saying, that the most foolish thing that you can do is think that you don't need any more wisdom in your life. To think that you have arrived. As long as you recognize your lack of wisdom, you will gain it. If today you are young in your years or young in your faith, this book and this series has so much to offer you. Knowledge, discretion, shrewdness. God can make you wise beyond your years. If you are wise, if time with the Lord and experience has brought you wisdom, there is more for you to see. That we still need his guidance, that we are never done learning, that knowing God is never something that we are finished with. So this is the point, and this is the invitation that I want to give to you today. A question to consider. Are you open, truly, to the instruction, correction, guidance, and teaching of the Lord? Is your heart open to hear something that might be difficult to hear? Are you willing to be confronted with something that needs to be confronted? 
Are you willing to hear something that might be difficult to hear, but you need to because it is right and good and true? To be a fool, according to Proverbs, is not about what we don't know, and it's not even about making mistakes. It is about failing to recognize that God is wise, and God is all-knowing, and I am not. Let that not be true of us. Let us be open to what God has for us. Okay, we'll close with this. Wisdom's beginning. Wisdom's beginning. Here's the last verse that we'll look at today. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is the first proverb of the book of Proverbs. The first word of wisdom that, that sets the theme for the rest of this book, that the fear of the Lord is the foundation, the beginning of knowledge, that knowledge is the beginning of wisdom. Why? Of all things that could be the beginning of knowledge, why is it fear of the Lord? Does that make sense? Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it make more sense to us if it was uh, an open mind? A hunger to learn is the beginning of knowledge. What is it about fear of the Lord that has anything to do with wisdom? Here's what I think Solomon is writing here, that, that it is not possible to have the skill to live a faithful life unless we know a faithful God. This phrase, fear of the Lord, is so important for us to understand correctly. Maybe you saw that and, and you thought that we should avoid God, tiptoe around his anger, that he isn't on our side. That isn't what is being communicated here. To fear God is simply to see him for who he is, to be in awe of his power to recognize with reverence his holiness, his justice, his greatness. I've shared this story before. Um, my freshman year of high school, I was on the basketball team. Uh, I was the backup point guard on the freshman team. Pretty impressive. Um, and one day at practice, somehow I got matched up to play one-on-one -on -one against the starting varsity center. So I was like, I don't know, 5'5", five, five. I weighed like seven pounds. I don't know, I was like nothing. I was a twig. And, and he was like 6'6", six, six, and he had a beard and probably like a retirement count. Like he, <laughs> he was a man and I was a boy. And so we played, and I don't know how that happened, but we played for a while and I was actually doing okay uh, for a little bit. And then something happened and a switch went on for him and he actually started trying. And I went up for a shot and he blocked that shot so hard that the gym just went silent. Like everyone just turned. And we stared at each other. And that was the moment that I realized I wasn't going to make it to the NBA. <laughs> and maybe I should become a pastor. And here I am. <laughs> but this is what wisdom recognizes. C.S. Lewis put it this way, that, that in God, you come up against something which is, in every respect, immeasurably superior to yourself. In other words, what that means is that God is God and I am not. He is the one who determines what is right and what is wrong and what is good and what is evil. He is the one who determines my identity, my purpose. He is the one who gives me boundaries to live in and knowing all of these things and, and understanding this is the beginning, the foundation of what it means to live well to have true godly 
wisdom. Paul, in, in writing to the uh, Corinthian church, says this about uh, wisdom. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. In verse 27, he says, Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Verse 30, It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. What Paul is saying here is that Jesus redefines and personifies wisdom. He didn't just have wisdom, he is wisdom. As we read the Gospels and we look at his life and his teachings, we see the wisest person to ever live. In describing himself, Jesus said that something greater than Solomon is here. He talks about this uh, as he closes the, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. If you want more wisdom in your life, get more of Jesus in your life. This is the invitation that I want to give to you today and this summer. That this would be our foundation, the thing that we build our lives on, and this would be our filter that knowing Jesus would be the beginning of all knowledge and wisdom. That when I'm wondering if I should marry that person, I would ask myself, am I more like Jesus when I'm around that person? If I'm wondering if I should pursue a new job, that I would ask myself, will I be able to glorify Jesus in that place? In my everyday conversations, I would ask myself, are the words that I'm using words I would say if Jesus was standing right next to me? He is our foundation. He is the one we build our lives on, the beginning of all knowledge and wisdom. So go back to the first question I asked you today. Do you want more wisdom in your life? Do you want wisdom in your words, wisdom in your actions? Do you want to be marked by and transformed by wisdom in every part of your life? This is where you begin. Begin with the one who is the very wisdom of God. Look to Jesus. Devote yourself to his teaching. Surrender yourself to his lordship. Put your faith and your trust and your belief in him. Live in a place of proper fear, recognizing who he is in awe of what he has done. This is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom in our lives. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we do again thank you for this day and thank you for this opportunity to worship you and to be in awe of who you are. God, we do ask for wisdom. We ask that this summer and, and throughout our lives that we would be marked by and shaped by wise choices, 
wise living, that you would set us apart. Lord, would you give us conviction and assurance in in the everyday moments of our lives that we would reflect who you are in our families, in our communities, as we serve all over the world. Father, help us now to respond in an act of worship, in complete admiration, reverence, and awe of who you are. Amen. Amen. Uh, We say this just about every week, but know that if there's something going on in your life that we could be praying for, uh, our prayer team is, is ready and willing and honored to do that. You can come to the front in just a moment here. Those of you uh, that give, that, that's part of your worship through generosity, thank you for doing that. We have boxes in the back. You can give online, and we're so grateful for what God is doing here at our church. Receive now today's benediction. Would you go in the knowledge and the wisdom of Jesus Christ, assured of who you are and in awe of who he is? Amen. Thank you.